Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Matt. And welcome to Going Pear-Shaped on AudioEntropy.com, a podcast about uh, just kind of whatever we feel like. And uh, true to form, this week is going to be another grab bag episode. So, Matt, you've got the first topic. Kick us off. So, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite came out a few weeks ago, and the game is honestly pretty kind of okay, sort of. Kind of. Um, so MVC. Wow, that is a glowing review, right? Yeah, there. I know, right? I'm, I'm really fucking selling this game hard. Yeah, you might want to pick it up, maybe, kind of, if you like the genre. Um, but I'm actually. So MVCI is kind of a bad game, but it's also a very fun game. And the way it's bad in ways I don't really care about personally, and it's good in ways I do care about. So I wound up actually kind of really liking that game a lot, um, despite the fact that I think it's a really, really underwhelming game in a lot of aspects. And yeah, the, the arc of that game has just been weird. So how much do you know about the reception to MVCI? Fuck it. How much do you know about MVCI in general? Uh, I know it looked like dog shit. Um, it was missing. I think we talked about it on this show. It was, it was missing like the Marvel characters and yeah. basically any... Uh, sorry, it was missing uh, the X-Men yep. and, like, really any Marvel characters that Marvel doesn't currently own the movie rights to. Yep. Which is kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know if I ever went on a rant about this on the podcast, but it is still baffling to me that Capcom thinks people care about Chris Redfield. Uh, are you see, listen, you, listen, you, listen you, dude. No, li- no, no, no. no, no. no what, if you're going to target what, somebody shitty in that roster, target Spencer. Who what, the, gives the a shit Bionic about... Commando guy? Yeah, who gives a shit about Molly. Spencer? Molly Specifically is our singu- friend Molly. Singular one person who cares about Spencer. Do you know That is much... more than the Chris Redfield fans, I'm I, sure. I, no, I don't think that's listen, true. Listen, dude, think... listen, 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 listen. I know at least three listen. people who care about Chris Redfield. Those people are weird. Uh, <laughs> walk, walk with me down this this this, this little houses, thought experiment. Sure. All right, walk walk with me down this. What is considered what what is the most popular Resident Evil game? Uh, Resident Evil two or four, probably four. Yeah, as I was gonna say, it's it's two or four. Um, like it's kind of a trick question because there's two of them. But the thing is, what do those two have in common? They have Leon Kennedy. They star Leon Kennedy. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So what? What Resident Evil character should be in the fighting games? Uh, Ada Wong? You piece of shit. <laughs> Both it's of those games have Ada Wong in them. It's true, but also, but seriously, though, Leon should be in where Chris Redfield is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not like you'd have to change his moveset at all. No, that's like the thing should... that fucks me up. You could have literally, like, any, like, non-Wesker Resident Evil character in that. You could have Ada, you could have... Chris, you could have fucking the, uh, Ethan from the, the new, I think his name was, yeah, his name is Ethan. Ethan from the new Resident Evil game, Resident Evil 7. That would be a little weird because that's a first person game. You, I don't, I don't know if you ever actually see his face. I think you do see his face at the end of the game. Um, also, uh, my, minor, I guess, because it's in the DLC trailers, so it's not a huge spoiler. Chris Redfield does show up. In but uh Resident Evil 7 spoilers. Uh Chris Redfield does show up at one point in that game, um, if only in the DLC. And MVCI Chris doesn't look like Resident Evil 7 Chris. Oh, of course he doesn't. And here's the thing, like, even if like they really, really just want to have a representative of Resident Evil 1, Jill's right there. Yeah. 
Like, and like, I, now I think I actually like Chris. Clearly, like Chris more than you. But why the hell is he in in a second time? Why is Chris Redfield in this game a second time? I was cool with Chris being the Resident Evil character, main representation Resident Evil character in three. I thought that was fine. I mean, he's a he's a major player in that series. He was like one of the main two protagonists in five. He was obviously a big deal in one. He showed up in a ton of games over the years. I didn't have a problem with him. But he's just he's so boring. Why is he in the uh. yeah, why is he in the game a fucking second time? I, I don't disagree with you, but I think if there's a really baffling inclusion on Capcom's side, it's Spencer, not Chris. Because Spencer fucking Spencer. I like Spencer. I'm just I'm going to argue in favor of Spencer in terms of just being an off cuz you want some off the wall picks. But they already had and Spencer. He's not off the wall anymore. I, no, I still want him in there because fucking dead ghost wife arm. Why? Also, you're not wrong. We'll get to Spencer in a moment because that character I kind of turned around on that character's implementation in MVCI, but like wow. But yeah. Dead ghost wife arm. What what else? Was it was it the was it the dreadlocks? Uh, mostly just dead ghost wife arm. Okay. <laughs> that fucking Twitter post that made the round with them look at this couple's costume and it's just Spencer with the bionic arm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So the thing about Spencer in MVCI is twofold. One, much like Spencer in MVC three, I actually like really like like the way that character plays mechanically, where he's like a grappler, like beatdown style character with really interesting movement options because he can like wire hook across the screen. And B, have you seen any of like the win quotes for Spencer in that game? No, I haven't. He's he talks total fucking bullshit. Like, one of his win quotes, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not paraphrasing very much, but it's like, new meetings bring new happiness, but also new conflicts. So if we can get over the conflicts, that just leaves the happiness, right? Yeah. All of his yeah, lines are like, that. yeah, all of his also, lines. I was in the middle of taking a drink of soda, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, sorry. I assumed you still had nothing for that, because that was basically my reaction to that win quote myself. All of his lines are like that. You know how much fucking screen time Spencer gets? In the MVCI story mode. Why would I know anything about the MVCI story mode? Let me give you a hint. It can be measured in seconds. That seems like it's for the best. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm hoping those seconds are spent going, My dead wife's in my arm! Let me give you you another hint. It can be measured in seconds in the single digits. (laughs) So I'm hoping he just walks on screen and then yells about his dead wife arm and then walks away. (laughs) It's... Not quite that good, but it's almost as good. So first, one through nine, how many seconds is he on screen? And this is a little subjective with how you define on screen, by the way. Uh, five. Close. Seven. Do you want to guess what he does in those seven seconds? No. Tony Stark asks for a soda, and he wire grapples a soda from across the room and throws it to Tony Stark. And that is his entire contribution to that game's story. Okay. I, I actually like that. I like yeah. that a lot. It's, it's fucking bizarre because with how Spencer is portrayed in that game, I'm pretty sure the dev team... Like, the dev team's obviously using him because they want a character that plays like that. Fair enough. But they didn't have the assets to put in, like, a new character. Like, the question of why didn't they just put in, like, Nero from Devil May Cry 4... Because he has, like, a similar moveset. And the answer is money. This game was made on a shoestring budget. 
Um, that's the reason, but I think they kind of realize just how fucking lame Spencer actually is, and they kind of just went with it. And I actually really, really like that. It makes him more interesting than, like, Chris, for sure. And given, like, the general tone and humor in that game, because the writing in that game is, like, surprisingly funny and, like, sharp at points, it's actually, like, a really deliberately funny game at a lot of parts. Um, I, so I can't help but think they knew that. And, and that's weird, because it means, like, the roster sucks, but it's actually, like, really well utilized for the most part. I don't know. And, and like, every single thing about that game is kind of like that, where I actually kind of like it, but I also need to concede that it kind of sucks in a lot of ways. But I personally find it really fun, and I have a group of people to play with it, to play it with, so I don't care despite the fact that that's not really a super great outlook, I'll openly and completely admit. Yeah. Okay. As for the game itself, it's a 2v2 tag fighter. It's a reset-oriented game, much like Skullgirls. It allows for a lot of freeform, like, just weird, crazy team comps and bullshit neutral. Um, it can be very set-play heavy, and it is ungodly, and I mean astoundingly, amazingly harsh on newcomer. Like, if you want to get into fighting games, this is absolutely the last fucking game you'd ever want to get into with. Um, to give you an example, uh, the tutorial is so fucking deficient, there are Captain America combos that rely on you knowing about mechanics that the tutorial never actually teaches you. The tutorial doesn't teach you about fucking short hopping and defensive tagging. And if those wow. sound important, they are, yeah. Um, it's bad. Like, that is... I, I've got no excuses. That's not even like, haha, Spencer's in the game for seven seconds bad. That's just fucking atrocious. You know, I, I quick aside, you did mention that, uh, you did mention Skullgirls very briefly. Yep. And uh, I started following, uh, what is it, like Sonic Fox on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And he keeps talking so much shit about, like, all these yeah. games that he's basically, and, and he can back it up. He's kicking the shit out of it. Oh, everybody. yeah. No, Sonic Fox is amazingly good. Yeah. And, like, basically, anytime anyone talks about any game, but particularly anytime someone talks about MVCI, he just kind of, he always throws in a little, like, you know, we could just be playing Skullgirls. Skullgirls. Right and he's not wrong. Like, Skullgirls is, uh, and again, I, I, and I need feel I need to restate this because I bash MVCI harshly, but I, I really do have a lot of fun playing the game. And I think in a lot of ways that people aren't willing, or not aren't willing, but don't immediately realize, I think it's a really fun game. And I don't think that's like a coincidence. I think the people knowing working on that game knew what they were doing when they made a lot of that game. It's just like they had their hands tied behind their back by like Marvel's mandates and just having no fucking money because that game, again, was clearly made on a shoestring budget. But yeah, Sonic Fox just... And and that's actually an interest, been an interesting thing in the tournament scene, is the Skullgirls community has come out hard and is kind of wrecking house in that game. And that surprised a lot of people, not myself, initially, because they were like, what's going on? Because established players like, um, like fucking Moons... And, like, F-Champ are just, like, getting wrecked by, like, the Kill Sage and, like, Sonic Fox and, like, all these old Skullgirls players. And I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm like, MVCI plays way more mechanically, like, Skullgirls than it does MVC3. MVC3 is actually, like, the weird outlier in that series in terms of how it plays, where it's, like, super touch-of-death oriented and there's not, there's not really a lot of, like, reset opportunity in that game because the lethality in that game is so high, it's, like... Why would you go for a reset when you can just go for attack infinite and fucking kill them and gain five meters? Who gives a shit? Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't. I don't really know all that much about fighting games. I just. I just like that this guy who's coming in and is just kind of. He he sort of came out of nowhere and is just sort of dominating in basically every fighting game he de- he decides to try his hand at, and like every single conversation he has on Twitter is just yeah 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 here's the topic at hand but like it always they'll they'll have some kind of discussion for however many tweets but then his final thought is always just you know but Skullgirls though but Skullgirls but Skullgirls yeah no Skullgirls and that. And this is weird because I actually think that sort of vindictive, shitty pettiness is actually really toxic, and I don't approve. Or I say I don't approve, but the reality of the situation is this really does feel like payback. People didn't play Marvel, but didn't play Skullgirls because of the names attached, despite the fact that Skullgirls was a way better designed game, um, and was a way more technically competent game to boot, um, and now the Skullgirls player, and that game kind of got ignored. It was actually, a, critically and commercially, critically not so much, but commercially it was actually a reasonable success. Um, but now you have all these people who cut their teeth on Skullgirls coming out of the woodwork and are just bashing skulls in MVCI, and I love it. It feels vindicating. It's like, yeah, all you fucking idiots were playing the shit game. Because for the record... I liked the community that sprung up around MVC3 a lot. Like, I love that game's community. But that game itself... Ugh. I mean, I liked it more than Street Fighter 4, but I was not a fan of X-Factor 3. Virgil, I was not a fan of Doom Tack Infinite. I was not a fan of Tack... That game was had had some fucking problems. Let's, let's be real. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like MVCI, is I feel MVCI doesn't necessarily address those problems per se so much as it's a game with a radically different focus that sidesteps the, a lot of those problems completely. And I like the game, the mechanics of MVCI, way more than I like the mechanics of MVC3. And yeah, MVC3 versus MVCI. MVCI, clearly, I prefer it. Um, it's largely subjective, though. I know some people coming from MVC3 have issues getting into MVCI. I don't really blame them. I think Chris G's the big one. Because Chris G was a fucking monster in MVC3. Like, that guy was a beast. Um, I don't think he's done shit in MVCI. I think he has floundered and floundered hard. Which makes sense, given the types of teams he's playing. Um, because he plays an incredibly defensive, incredibly tight, like, incredibly lame playstyle, and you can't do that in MVCI, which sounds like a compliment. I actually don't like that. I don't like that Chris G can't play his game in MVCI, and I think they maybe nerfed, and that's actually one of my complaints with the game, is I think they nerfed Keep Away too hard. Um, especially because offense was, is just fucking amazing in that game. They didn't need to nerf Keep Away. Offense is, like, gone. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, that's that's those are kind of my thoughts on MVCI. Uh, I like the game, but would I recommend getting it? <laughs> on sale, I guess. I, I get it for okay. like thirty bucks. All right. Uh, yeah. So all right, so my turn. Yep. Uh, I'm going to talk about Jackbox Party Pack Four because we had the big old stream uh, on Twitch.tv slash Video Entropy. Or as all the OG Jackbox players call it, JBPP4. Yeah, the, the name's getting... Uh, well, it's, it's a bit of a cumbersome name to try and truncate, but like also, like it is, it's at least an established name. And you it like, is an as, established as, name. As, as evidenced by the four on the end. Um, in fact, this was... Going from three to four, this is the first time that like 
two party packs came out without a solo game between them. Like huh. I think I think I think after Drawful I think after Drawful Two just kind of like got glossed over. I think Jackbox kind of realized like at some point people just started waiting for the packs. Yeah. Like they had to bend over backwards to try and clarify because because what had happened in the past was like for both of the for the first two party packs they both included an expanded version of a previously released solo game. So when Drawful Two came out, so many people were assuming that there was just going to be a Drawful 2 XL in the Party Pack 3, so they were just like, yeah, I'm just not going to bother. And even though Jackbox like made clear that that wasn't going to happen, they weren't going to do that, and they didn't do that, still a bunch of people just sort of overlooked Drawful 2, because despite being like, Drawful's a very good game, but they were just like, like I'm just going to wait for the pack. Why would, I, why, would I buy, why would I buy a game when I can get five, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they just kind of said, fuck it, all right, we're just going to go to Party Pack 4 this time. Yeah, we've got a good thing. Let's not let's not mess with the formula. Also, um, update, uh, Sonic Fox apparently lost the first round in the big Injustice 2 major that's going on right as we're talking, so that's interesting. Huh. That's surprising. That is surprising. That dude doesn't typically lose first round like that. I don't know if he's out or if he's going into losers, but yeah. Anyway, continue. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so Party Pack 4. Uh, I, so here's the thing with Party Pack 4 is it's it's more consistent than Party Pack 3 is the thing I'll say. Like, all of the games in that pack uh, got a positive reaction uh, when we did the stream. Like, there were no duds. Um, but, but, you know, kind of comparing it to Party Pack 3... Like, in Party Pack 3, like, you know, depending on your group, like, well, faking it, you just can't play over stream. Like, that's just a bummer. Yeah. That game's fun, but you just can't do it over stream. And and this is mostly just based on our, like, group. Like, Trivia Murder Party was a big hit, like, in the general populace, but it didn't really work for, like, uh, for, like, the audio entropy stream. Yeah. Because so many of the people playing can't hear the audio, and there's no, like, subtitles or anything. So that kind of floundered. Espionage is it's fun, but eh, eh. Espionage is fine. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how I describe Espionage. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the thing is I would say I think I think what I'm trying to get laboriously get to is I would say the 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 quality of each game is higher in uh, like on average in Party Pack Four, but there's no fucking showstopper the way three had with TKO. Because TKO was the big guns. Like, that was the reason why when we did the streams, like, we tried to save that for the end. Because, like, that's the finale. That's 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 the fucking, like, you know... that, that I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this. But, like, that's... that's I guess I already nailed it when I said, said Showstopper. Like, TKO, like, that's that's the reason to own the third party pack, right? Yeah. Um, whereas Party Pack 4, as good as it is, there isn't a specific game in the pack that I can point to and said this one this is the reason to have this pack, you know? Yeah. Um, which might actually be a good thing, because it speaks to how easy it is to kind of jump from game to game in that pack. Um, but so there was Fibbage 3, um, which was good at, because, like, despite the fact that there have been two previous Fibbage games, and, like, the first Fibbage was the whole... got the whole Jackbox ball rolling and was kind of the first time people realized that these games could work well over streams... Mm-hmm. Uh, the previous two versions of the game, even the one that was like in Party Pack Two, didn't have the, uh, the like the stream friendly options. Like there was no audience, there was no extended timers. Like 
it was actually it's actually been kind of a pain in the butt to play Fibbage over stream up until this point. Uh, but Fibbage three kind of addresses that. Uh, they also had that enough about you mode that's basically just it's questions about each other. So like it adds some longevity to the game and also kind of an interesting twist. So that's good. Um, let's see. There's bracketeering, which is basically just kind of a weird roundabout version of Quiplash that's a bit more streamlined but allows for more players, so that's fun. Uh, there was Monster Seeking Monster, which is a weird dating simulator where everyone's a monster, and it, but it's 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 the most complicated game in the pack and the hardest one for me to explain in like a blurb, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, we had I'm trying to remember what the what the other ones were. I'm, I, I remember Civic Doodle, but I'm trying to save that one for last because it's kind of the odd one out. Um, help me out here. Uh, I don't actually remember any of the games, most of the games in the pack. Shoot, what was the other one? I, I'm just going to look this up. But I was going to say the odd one out is Civic Doodle um, because the it's just, this is probably the first time in a while. Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, this also kind of happened with, uh, with Party Pack 2. Where the the weakest game in the pack is probably the drawing game, which is weird. Yeah, I oh, think survive like... the internet. I I've, that's the other game, survive the internet. I can't believe I forgot that because that one was also a really big hit. Um, so the the deal with survive the internet is that you are you're essentially like you're given some kind of prompt and then you're going to respond to it, and then your response is set to another player. And the other player said, like, hey, this thing this other person said is an internet comment now. What are they responding to? Make them look bad. <laughs> Excellent. And it's genuinely great. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Civic Doodle kind of suffers mostly from stream delay because the way the game is set up is that um, it's got this new thing where, like, the thing the person is drawing, like, updates in real time on the screen and then you vote. Um, instead of having them submit it. Um, but the problem is, because of the stream delays, it makes it really hard for people to see what they're voting for in time, even if you turn on the extended timers. Hmm. And so it's kind of the same problem we ran into with Faking It, where, like, this is a game that seems really fun on the surface, but trying to play it online is a bit of a pain in the dick. Which sucks, because, again, it's the drawing game, and the drawing games tend to be, you know, the heavy hitters. Yeah, like Drawful and TKO and so on. Yeah. But, uh... On the whole, a lot of fun, and we, we had a lot of fun on the stream. Yeah, I was about to say, so it seems like it's about as good as, like, drop uh, the Party Pack 3, which honestly is a pretty good thing. I, that's not really a complaint. More consistent, but maybe not as many kind of big standouts, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, as much as I loved, and again, I loved all the games in the pack, I was struggling a moment ago to remember the name of Survive the Internet. Yeah, although by your own admission, that's actually kind of weird, because that game sort of stands out, actually. Yeah. So, and I guess it's, it, I guess some folks were worried because it felt like maybe there was a pattern emerging, because, like, on the surface, like, before we actually started playing, none of the games in this pack looked especially interesting or or super new, like, again, Bracketeering looked just very similar to Quiplash. So did Survive the Internet. Civic Doodle was just another drawing game. Fibbage Game was literally the third version of what it was. Monster Seeking Monster was... Uh, it appeared at first blush to may maybe seem like they were making another game like along the lines of Bidiots that was like more complicated than one of these games ought to be. But that turned out to be pretty fun. And a lot of people were starting to think, like, uh-oh... Is this gonna be like? Is this gonna be like a weird Star Trek movie situation where like just the even party packs just aren't as good? 
you know? Is that is that where we're ending up? But no, it's it's fine. So we're still still so the only one that's a bummer is still just two. Yeah. So, yeah. Um yeah, that's that's kind of it. That I didn't really have a ton of uh like in depth to go in and discussing it just because it was a really good time and uh we had we had a lot of fun on the stream and I'm hopefully gonna be hosting some more of those. But uh it's it's just good. It's like, hey, it's more jackbox. They're they're consistently making good stuff. And and as someone who's been following their work since the you don't know Jack Gate Jack since the you don't know Jack days, like back in the mid nineties, like it's good to see these guys kind of back and making the funny games and doing the thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's actually like one of the things I liked about like kind of liked about Kickstarter is like fucking it gives devs I haven't seen make games in a long ass time. The ability to make games again. Um, Hairbrain Schemes obviously like the best example of that. A bunch of S-Fossa de- X-Fossa developers, and they actually got the license back for BattleTech, and that game should be back out like a year or so, hopefully. Thanks, Harmony Gold. Fucking worthless trash ass fucking studio. For reference, Harmony Gold are the sort of pseudo kind of license holders for the Mech Warrior and or BattleTech license that they don't own, but also they do own because it's based off of Robotech, which itself is based off of Macross. It don't ask, it gets really complicated. But in short, whenever anybody tries to do anything Mech Warrior and or Battletech related, because people who actually give a shit and actually want to do things with those licenses try to do things with those licenses, Harmony Gold shows up and pretends like it has some sort of stake in that even though they fucking don't, and that company exists solely to camp those licenses at this point. They don't do shit. Well, dang. Well, that's the histo- That's the brief history of Harmony Gold, the shittiest fucking company ever. Not really, but seriously, they suck. Yeah. You know what doesn't fucking suck, though? What? The fact that the greatest game of all time got a reboot. So the fucking, the fucking Mad Men actually went and did it. They actually printed a brand new core set for Android Netrunner, cycled out a whole bunch of cards, kept a whole bunch of cards that were going to originally plan to cycle out in the game, new core set, no more Scorched Earth, which is actually a mistake, no more Account Siphon, which is another mistake, we'll get to it, um, no more Yogg, good, no more Medium, good, no more Deja Vu, good, reworked how the most wanted list, which is their form of, like, the banned restricted list is, added an actual fucking ban list, because Jesus fucking Christ, we've needed that for years, um, put a whole bunch of other cards on it. It's new, and it's exciting, and it's basically the exact same thing that's not new and exciting at all, but it is actually exciting, because Android Netrunner fucking rules, and it's back, and it's going to be at Worlds in like a month. And I have no idea how that tournament's going to go. Um, yeah. So for reference, Android Netrunner is a Fantasy Flight Games published living card game. It basically like a basically like a game where instead of purchasing individual boosters, you purchase boxes that come out every month or so that have the maximum playset copies of every single card you could possibly have in that box. Um... And it's super fucking, it's an asymmetrical game that takes place in a cyberpunk universe where a runner plays against uh, some sort of subsidiary of a mega corporation. They try and break into each other's shit and steal agendas. It's a really, that's a dramatic oversimplification. It's a really, 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 really super good game. Have we talked about Netrunner on this show at all? I feel like we must have at I some point. I swear we have. I feel like we have to have. I don't think I would ever go, 
I, I, I could just double check our archive. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly I, I, certain we I think we have to have mentioned it because just with how I work, if, if it's like a mathematical equation. As a p- time goes on, the likelihood that Matt will talk about Netrunner becomes one. Like, it, it's going to happen sooner or later. Um, but yeah. I think maybe at some point we were waiting for someone else who also loves Netrunner to guest on the show. I mean, I'm not going to be talking about Netrunner in its entirety. I'm mostly just talking about the reboot and, like, its impact on the game. We'll probably do... We'll do a full episode on Netrunner at some point, I imagine, because I don't think there's any way we don't... Also, I'm pretty sure Luke was the person we wanted to get on, because me and him actually played a whole bunch of matches um, to test out, like, the new rules format. Um, And the new rules... I think the game largely plays much better. Um, or maybe not much better, but I think it plays better. Um, so the big thing here, and like the big change, is universally across the board, the power level of that game has gone way down. Um, which makes sense because they rotated out a bunch of cards, but with how the reboot worked, they specifically rotated out a bunch of like the defining cards, which is a good and a bad thing. Mostly a good thing, I think. A lot of those defining cards were way too good. Um, so, yeah, like, the power level of that game dropped, like, way, way down, and it plays not much slower, per se, um, but it, there's a lot less fewer explosive blowouts now. Um, like, it used to be Runner would just, like, chain bang account siphon you, and you would just lose, or Core would just get Caprice in a remote server, and you would just lose. Now those things don't happen anymore. Um... It's still kind of up in the air just because they shook up the card pool. The shake up to the card pool and like the rules were really that radical that people are still trying to figure it out. But yeah, it seems like the game is probably a little better balanced overall. It's definitely, um, it's definitely a lot less explosive, which I think everyone actually likes. Uh, the community reaction to this has actually been very, very positive. Um, so that's cool. And the big Netrunner major is going again, is going down in like a month and we'll have to see how that pans out. Uh, yeah. I would go into more, but if I go into more, I get the feeling that I won't stop, and we should probably save this for a full episode. But yeah, Netrunner Reboot, uh, it's a really super good time to get into the game. A bunch of new people seem to be getting into the game or have expressed interest in it, so that's really cool. Um, what else? What else? Well, I do want to, uh, say that, uh, I just looked at, uh, Sonic Fox's Twitter, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 I don't know if this is just him making excuses or if this is legit, but, like, apparently the setup that he was playing didn't have sound? That doesn't seem like an excuse, if that's true. That's also inexcusable, if that's true. What kind of fucking... Hold up. Pump the brakes. We've just got a new topic. What kind of fucking setup at a major doesn't have sound? Unless it's well, the he was Evo saying there, apparently there was supposed to be sound because he's saying there was no sound on the monitor or in his headset, and it said it really got to him. Did they? Okay, that's kind of an excuse. If they forced him to play, okay, if he didn't get if he didn't get a technical check, that's on him. But if they like forced him to play, that's fucking bullshit. Because yeah. auditory cues are a very real thing in fighting games. Um, no, absolutely, for, I know. Yeah, like, particularly for me, for KI, I use auditory cues a lot of times. But no, if he didn't have sound, I absolutely believe that could throw him off his game. Now, admittedly, his opponent probably also didn't have sound, I'm imagining. 
um, which means his opponent was playing under the same circumstances, but that's still bullshit. And yeah, they shouldn't have played on if that's the case. That's that's actually whack. Yeah, um, uh, people are saying to him to bounce back. So apparently he, he he was just moved to the losers bracket. But still, that if he's telling the truth, that is fucking inexcusable. Yeah, that's really bad. Actually, also funny things that's um that uh, I mean this is this is us reacting live to news that like and y'all aren't gonna hear this for like two weeks. So yeah, no, this will be this will be stone cold. But like, yeah, that's wonky as fuck. You know what's hilarious though? What? Ultra David uh, co-commentating with a person who tweeted at him that one t- at one point said, "Quote: Look, dude, you be that guy who sa- uh, you be that guy sat home at tweeting about a show you're not part of, looking like you're bitter." Okay. Yeah. This person and Ultra David have beef, and now they're co-commentating together, and Ultra David keeps passive-aggressively sniping at him the entire time, and it's amazing. Well, all right. Yeah. Um, Who is it? Why don't we just, why don't we go ahead and move yeah, on well, to questions? Yeah, we'll move to questions. We should probably yeah. have moved to questions a while ago, but whatever. Okay, sure. Uh, if you want to send us questions, at G-Shaped on Twitter. Um, I mean, I can understand why maybe you wouldn't after this episode. This is kind of a slow, tired one, but, I mean... This one's better. This isn't our right worst now. one, though. It's still better than the mashup episode, for sure. That yeah. Episode, that yeah. episode, man, I don't know what the fuck went wrong <laughs> with that one. That one was just bad. I don't know what exactly went wrong there. I don't blame your topic. The topic was fine, but... I God. think it cleaned up all right in the edit, but just, like, right now, God, I'm just tired. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, like, we we put off recording another episode for a few weeks, and we gotta do one, and just, like, gotta make it happen, y'all. Well, we actually don't, but... I mean, we. Kind I mean, yeah. Do. Technically speaking, we aren't beholden to anybody. We could just say fuck it, but like, we could never record another episode again. This could be the last. This could be the last episode of this show, as far as anyone knows, including us. Yeah. It probably won't be, by the way. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, questions. Yeah, if you want to send us questions at G Shaped on Twitter, you can see what topics we're going to talk about in the future. You can send us suggestions for topics. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Um. From Paul. Rank your favorite members of the Bob's Burgers family. I've never seen Bob's Burgers. I have, but I can't remember their names. Let me Google it. Well, there's there's wife, there's husband, there's boy child, there's girl child with glasses, and girl child with bunny hat. I know one of them is named Tina. One of them is obviously named Bob. Uh, This is too complicated, so I'm going to name them if I can name them. Um, So, I like... Glasses girl the most, followed by Bob, and then Bob's wife, and then Rabbit Hat, and then Annoying Child in the yellow shirt, who is the boy. There we go. That's that's okay. the official GPS Bob's Burgers te- tiering list. Tina is the name of the glasses girl. So it would be Tina, Bob, Linda, I think is the name of the wife. Yeah, Jean... Is the crappy kid and boy I don't like, and Rabbit Hat is Louise, I think, who I also don't like, but I like more than Gene, at least. Okay, there we go. Done. Okay. Uh, also from Paul. In Back to the Future Part 3, why didn't they just rig up a parachute and push the DeLorean into Clayton Ravine? They would accelerate to 88 miles per hour in four seconds, and the parachute could activate safely. Also, they are supposedly worried about the timeline, but what kind of effects did they think would happen from just destroying a train that otherwise would have been in service? My dude, you're you're proposing they. T- the, here's the thing about their time. To, you you want to put a parachute on a train? 
Well, no, I think they they wanted to put a parachute on the DeLorean and push the DeLorean over the edge of the cliff. That way it would fall off the cliff and accelerate to the, to, to the speed they needed to. Then they pulled the a chute, presumably once they're in... You'd still need an enormous fucking parachute and you would you, need to build it, build it in the 1800s. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, that's, that is a... I mean, maybe it's more reasonable than like exploding the train... Maybe, but that plan is actually kind of difficult and complicated as well. There, it's maybe safer, except not really. You're still plummeting the thing off a fucking cliff. It is still probably safer though. But yeah, that that is still a dangerous, risky business plan. That's complicated. I guess you. I guess it does involve less crime though. I I don't know. I think it's a more reasonable plan, but it's not like. It, it's it's not like oh why didn't they do this it's like well that also the plan also has its own set of problems they could have done that though probably maybe they wouldn't need a ridiculous amount of fabric though and they'd have to like stitch it all together and then they'd have to make sure the stitching didn't break yeah huh 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 good question though actually made me think okay um all right uh from at Doramingu. Uh, what are some of your favorite jokes and or flavor texts from Netrunner cards? Uh, the one that comes to mind immediately is Day Job, um, which doesn't quite... Let me bring it up. It doesn't quite work in out of context because it's a punchline that relies on two things. One, the absolutely fantastic artwork by Matt Zellinger. Um, and two, the fact that the gag relies on... Um, the fact that it's not punctuated correctly. So the line is, hello, thank you for fitting Megabuy. I'm Carol, how can I help you? The art is a picture of Max doing a finger guns with, like, a blow my fucking brains out expression. And the punctuation in the phrase itself actually isn't worded as a question, and the, uh, and the punctuation is incorrect. That's the one that comes to mind immediately. Um, I can't remember the exact wording... Um, the Scorched Earth flavor text was very, very good with, I think it's the Wayland Corps would like to remind all of our investor, uh, the Wayland Corps would like to remind impacted parties that several Wayland buildings were also damaged in the blast, and it shows a picture of Elizabeth, I think it's Elizabeth Mills, um, looking out over just like a burning cityscape. Um, and another really good one, except not for the reasons they expected it to be, is Temujin Contract, which has, um... The flavor text, best of all, it's legal. That card is no longer legal in Netrunner. It got banned because it was way, way too fucking strong. So that one is funny, but not in the way they intended it to be. Okay. Uh, also from Ed Dory Mingu. Uh, have you ever had to wait in line to play a fighting game in an arcade? Uh, once or twice. I was never been much of a big arcade person, but there were lines occasionally. Okay. Uh, did you go by play until defeated rules or politely take turns? Play until defeated, always. All right. Uh, also from Matt Dorimingu, what are some of your favorite TCGs slash CCGs, and do you like that type of evolving game or the fixed distribution slash living card game uh, setup of Netrunner better? First question. Uh, first, I'll answer the latter part of that. LCG all the way, absolutely, one hundred percent of the time. Not a question. Don't even need to think on it for more than two seconds. Um, the f- what are some of your favorite LCGs and CCGs, I think was the first part? 
Yeah, what, what, are your, what are your favorite TCGs and CCGs? Okay, I'm assuming LCGs also fall under this, because let's not get bullshitty and nitpicky. Um, so, well, I mean, he, he, he asked TCG, CCGs, and then proposed the question, the second half of the question was, how does that compare to LCGs for you? Oh, so... So I think he's specifically oh, so, asking not about LCGs. Okay, uh, in that case, I'll leave. I mean, if you've got an answer for best LCG, uh, well, it's, uh, besides it's, Netrunner, It's I Netrunner, I mean, you already know the answer, it's... It's Netrunner. Um, collectible card games. Uh, Shadowverse is pretty good. Um, Ashes Ashes is an LCG, actually. That wouldn't count. Um, Duelist is very, very good. Um, I like Shardbound, but it's unfinished and it's currently undergoing some financial problems that hopefully they get resolved because I think that game has a lot of promise. Um, I like Magic the Gathering a lot, but that game has problems both related to design and the game itself, uh, lands are a terrible fucking resource system. We'll we'll need to do an episode and get Molly on and do an episode on MTG eventually, but lands are a very bad resource system for a number of reasons. Outside of that, that game is fucking expensive as shit. Oh my god. That game is ludicrously expensive. And yeah, secondary market, you can sell your cards off when you're done, except you can't if you're playing standard a lot of times because those cards can immediately get devalued sometimes unless there's... Yeah, that game is expensive. It's very fun, though, and I play Pauper in that. So, I guess, like, shortlist, it would be, like, Duelist number one, MTG number two, and Shadowverse number three. I've heard good things about Eternal. I haven't played that. I've heard good things about Ferea. I haven't played that. Those would be the other two. Um, Shardbound, if they can get their issues solved, is also quite good, even though it's very clearly unfinished right now. Uh, yeah, I think think that's the lot of that at least for the time being all right um from at Niupe sangura uh it's albino bunny yeah i know i just i just try to describe people don't, by their by their twitter you handle you don't have to do that because it's, it's i'm trying to be somewhat professional it says albino. the guy who went um uh for five minutes and couldn't remember one of the things in the jackbox game it's fine it's albino don't worry yeah all right well uh albino s who is your favorite ID for each faction, and why is Reyna the best Anarch? Reyna is the best Anarch because the theme of a disenfranchised and extremely angry military veteran who's ex-U.S. Army Signal Corps is really interesting and a super good character concept. Um, also because it gave us Randy Pitchford Reyna, a.k.a. Anatomy of Anarchy, a.k.a. the greatest deck list of all time. It's not actually the greatest deck list of all time. It was actually a solid deck, if a kind of prone to high variance. Um, so that was a deck that was built entirely around just repeatedly chain-banging your opponent with a Count Siphon over and over again, stealing all of their money, hence hence the moniker Randy Pitchford Reyna. It was a stupid thing where you break into Sega's HQ and you steal all of their money to make shitty Aliens games. Uh, don't ask. Just, I mean, I, I think that joke actually half explains itself but the other half yeah. was a lot of spitballing ideas for deck names at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> okay um that's definitely that one favorite id for shaper i'm gonna go with Haley kaplan um don't really care for the character thematically i can take her a lever mechanically though um, she really, really incentivizes thinking very carefully about your hand, like, what's in your hand, because her ability is 
um, when you install something, a program or a resource, you can install a second one for free, which saves you a lot of fucking time in that game and is generally just really super fucking good. But it forces you to, but it also has the quote unquote drawback if you have to pay for everything, understandably, which forces you to manage your economy and your hand a lot more carefully than you would a normal character like Kate. The upside to that, however, is that if you're smart about how you do that and you're careful about managing your economy, you can set up way, way faster than most characters. Anarch? Anarch is Reyna. Um, criminal? Who would criminal be? Um, criminal, I'm going to go Geist. Um, because Geist is the ID that lets you draw a billion, million, trillion, jillion fucking cards and... I like things that let you draw a billion, million, trillion, jillion fucking cards. Um, was it specifically runner IDs, or was it both types? Uh, it just says IDs. Okay, so that core side. Uh, mini factions, you only get one ID per. Uh, don't need to talk about that. Core side, NBN. Um, I'm gonna go with controlling the message, because fuck you, Albino. I know how much you hate that goddamn identity, and how bad you tilt versus it. So, that's the best one because of how it makes you rage out. Wayland? Wayland's actually tough. I'm gonna go with Scorpios for Wayland. Um, both because mechanically I find it very, very interesting where it's, like, this super high-risk control deck where you can completely lock the runner out of the ability to win the game. Um, but your ice and everything is still surprisingly porous, and, like, you can get really screwed if you're not very careful with how you manage your board state. It tends to create incredibly intense down-to-the-wire games for both parties involved, and it's also just a really strong identity in its own right. Um, HB, well, ETF got nerfed to shit, so, and even if it didn't, um, it's always been cerebral imaging. Cerebral imaging is, like, the, the de facto core side combo identity, whether it was seven point power shutdown, whether it was hasty CI, whether it was load testing boom, whether it was just weird fucking shipment from Kaguya, like fast advance, there are a million combo decks, uh, whether it was penguins, um, there are a million combo decks that have come out of CI, most of them tend to be fairly good. That deck is a little overpowered now, but once we get some sort of account siphon replacement or medium replacement back in the game, it'll get knocked down a peg where it should be. Um, and it's always been... After I learned how sat down and finally fucking learned how to play it and got off of food coats, it's always... It's my favorite HBID. Um, and the last one is Jinteki. And for Jinteki, I've got to go with Personal Evolution, even though I don't necessarily think it's that strong of an ID, because as P, you motion first turn, hedge fund, pass and say go, and like, what do you do? Those kind of vice grip scenarios, nobody, no other identity sets up vice grip, like man play, fucking mind games like PE. They never have, they probably never will, but just like, when you t when you fucking motion something, leave HQ and R&D exposed, and just hedge fund and say go, like, you slap your fucking balls out on the table, and, like, no other identity kind of replicates that. So, yeah, th those are my those are my choices. Probably didn't make any fucking sense to people who don't play that game, but, eh. Oh, not is. a lick, but it's okay. Awesome. It answered the question. Okay. Um, from at Pidmon, if you could make any property into a munchkin-like card game, what would you pick, and what would be your favorite jokey joke reference? Hearthstone, and my favorite jokey joke reference would be the game's fucking garbage. Why are you playing it? Okay. I've never played Munchkin, so I, I, I don't know. 
I think I, I think I actually own Munchkin. I think I got it as a Christmas present and then never opened it. Huh. I was just going to feel real bad because the person who gave it to me was my sister who listens to this podcast. <laughs> well, no. Now you need to go and you need to play it right now before she listens to this. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't really have anyone to play board games with locally. I mostly just play Tabletop Simulator with y'all. I mean, that's so. fair, but wait, I guess we can play Munchkin on Tabletop Simulator and you can say you played Munchkin, thereby bypassing that awkwardness entirely because you don't have to lie. It's perfect. Flawless. Eh. Flawless solution. Eh. Or I could just not lie and just be like, yeah, I never got around to it. Well, that's the thing. You wouldn't be lying. I mean, you'd be very selectively withholding very selective parts of the truth, which is actually kind of shitty now that I say it out loud. Maybe you're right, actually. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, all right. I'm not, I'm not super hot on my plan anymore. <laughs> all right. uh, let's see. From uh, We've got a few from at what is cosplay. Why is the original Nova in both MVCI and MVC3? Like, uh, the only Nova I've seen anywhere else is Sam Alexander. Less so, but still there. What, what, with ghost bike emojis. Ghost I think it's bike, to be Ghost Rider? Probably, yeah. Um, the answer is, why is Nova still in MVCI? Uh, because Marvel sure as fuck wasn't gonna let them put Magneto in that game, and they needed a box jump character. Nova gets in. I actually like Nova a whole hell of a lot in both MVC3 and MVCI, and I don't really have a pro- any problems with this conclusion, but that, make no mistake, that is why he is in that game. Also, because he'll show up in Guardians of the Galaxy at some point or another. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also from Matt, what is cosplay? Anyone playing Cuphead? Sip, sip, am I right? Um, I'm not playing Cuphead. Game looks tight. I was initially kind of skeptical about it. I still am, to a degree, but that game looks legit, and even if the game itself isn't actually very good, holy f- Fucking shit, the presentation in that game is incredible. Yeah, so I'm... I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Nah, you go. Uh, so I haven't played it because it's supposed to be really hard, and I'm actually really bad at video games, but fuck do I love just the way that game looks, and I love that that game, like, in theory, and I don't know, maybe I'll grab it on, uh, on sale and then, like, try and just fucking, you know blah blah my way through the game with like the chaser weapon or something like i did with gunstar heroes i was gonna say you know what we could do is we could just do do it the same way we did like outland and now we could just play co-op but i don't think that game actually has online co-op unfortunately i I would imagine as as that seems like a twitch game so i would imagine online co-op with that game would just would be a bad idea to begin with yeah, unfortunately, that might be the case. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think it has online co-op anyway, though. So that unfortunately, sort of shoots down that idea. But yeah, Cuphead looks fucking tight. Haven't played it yet. Kind of want to. Um, a little skeptical about how that game maybe plays, but I have no idea if that's warranted. Hence, one of the reasons I want to play it. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, from Matt, what is cosplay? What are some of y'all's favorite crossover titles? Like MVCI or like Marvel vs. Capcom or Mario and Sonic at the Winter Olympics, stuff like that. Like, what's your favorite crossover title? Smash Bros. comes comes to mind immediately when it's not being ruined by one of the worst fucking communities I've ever had to deal with in my entire life. Yeah. Um, I think that's also exactly my answer as well. Like, fuck the pro Smash scene. But also, I fucking love Smash Brothers. You know, I don't even have a problem with people wanting to take Smash seriously and play it competitively. I really don't give a shit. That's fine. It's not my Oh, no, it's just game. specifically the pro Smash community that we got is, is horrendous. It's so fucking garbage. And it's not even like the FGC is super great. But, like, but Jesus like, Christ. Even, like, even among the bad reputation that the fighting game community has, and even among the bad reputation that just 
gaming in general, in general have. have. Like, like fucking like gamers basically planted the seeds that became the alt right when it comes right down to it. But still, like probably the most significant blight that I can see is the Smash community. I, they're I'm, that bad. They're that bad, and like they really are that bad. I can't think of anyone outside of the Smash community that even speaks vaguely positively about the Smash community. Like, I'll go to bat for certain aspects of the FGC, and I'll let them hang on others, but, like, I don't see anybody going to bat for the fucking Smash community. Like, I don't... And I don't know how it got that fucking rancid and that fucking bad. Because I've seen bad gaming communities, but I've never seen bad gaming communities develop like that because when bad gaming communities develop they typically develop in an online space hearthstone perfect example of this total fucking shit community but no one goes to locals to play hearthstone people had to go to locals to play smash that game had to get its start in theory the the fact that the nature of the game like forces you to interact face to face with other people would presumably at least a little bit force you to learn like you know manners basic social etiquette yeah Yeah. and that's what happened with the fgc which is why the fgc i think kind of has an unfair reputation it has an unfair reputation in the sense that it is much better than most gaming communities and i will absolutely dispute anyone who disputes that uh it still has its own problems for sure but like the fgc you had to go to locals you had to interact and talk with other people you had to learn the basics of being a normal fucking human being to play that game competitively for a long period of time and people learned the importance of not being shitty to newer players because that took a while but it happened because we want people to play the games and we want more competition and we want people to play these games with us so we learned that the Smash community just fucking missed that boat, and like well, every other fucking boat. I think I think it's stagnation by virtue of the fact that there's nothing, nothing gets infused into into that like space. But because like, like theoretically, because here's the thing: like, yes, there are still people who are still playing like Street Fighter Two, but like those people will like even if that's the only game a given person is playing competitively, they'll play other fighting games. They'll play other Street Fighter tiles. They'll dabble a bit, you know? Yeah. If you play Melee, you just play Melee. You don't even play Smash 4. You fucking hate Smash 4. You'll boo the guy who just won the Smash 4 tournament because you want him to get off the stage they because you're that, waiting for the they? Melee tournament to start. They fucking but, did that, didn't they? Because they did the exact same goddamn thing at CEO with the Exerd tournament. And fucking Jabali and Mr. Wizard were like, if you pull this fucking bullshit again, we will cut your game from every single major we attend. God, I hate the fucking Smash community so much. And I mean, much. there's there's this whole thing where, like, the super, <sighs> super high-level players, like, Are need just... GameCube controllers that are, like, have a manufacturing defect, like a special, specific one, and only, like, one in every 150 GameCube controllers, which are getting rarer as it is, have this defect. And don't even get me started on, like, the fucking staggering, just unbelievable amount of sexual assault in that community, and I wish I was fucking kidding when I was saying that. Ugh, it's just... It's ba- I don't understand, and I don't get it. I don't understand how Smash got that bad, but it happened. And, and it's, it's and frustrating. It's frustrating because, you know... Criticize them all you want, because they've done some fuck-ups, but, like, Nintendo has made an earnest effort with the latest Smash game 
to say, hey, maybe this can be a serious thing. Let's make some concessions to the competitive scene. Let's try and build, you know, a Smash Brothers 4 fighting scene. And the fucking melee old guard does everything in their power to undermine that. If it makes you feel better, the melee old guard are definitely losing. Smash 4 is consistently a game that's pulling better numbers than melee now. Melee is finally finally fucking dying and unlike mvc2 and mvc3 which got a teary-eyed send-off the instant that fucker croaks their body that body is getting chucked into the fucking ditch with lightning fast speed fuck that game and man fuck people who like mainline that game yeah it's and it's frustrating because like as a casual player super smash brothers melee is one of my favorite games of all time me and my siblings, we played Smash Brothers Melee until we made a GameCube stop working. Not from getting knocked around, not from getting thrown around. And like you know, the fucking GameCube is basically indestructible. This thing just got worn out. We just played it so much that it croaked. Like I fucking like here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will I will I will talk all the live long day about just how fucking disgusting and aggravating the fucking you know competitive melee community can be and has been but the actual game smash brothers melee i fucking love it you 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 walk up to me with a game yeah. cube, four controllers two other players we're gonna play just fucking random stages random characters like just uh, items on let's just have a fucking party i am down right now any old time. Wake me up in the middle of the goddamn night. Fucking, you put a bag over my head and fucking kidnap me and drag me from my home and you put me in the desert in fucking New Mexico. I'm terrified. I'm pissing myself. But then you tell me like, oh no, we just brought you out here to play Smash Brothers. All is forgiven. <laughs> like, I fucking And then M2K love... shows up and you're like, oh, fuck oh, God, no. no. Fuck yeah. this. <laughs> I fucking love Super Smash Brothers Melee. It is, it is in my veins, man. But... Fuck the pro smash scene, God. If it makes you, I, again, I should say the pro melee scene because again, yeah. I want I want to defend Smash Four. Yeah, Smash Four is not as bad, but like, I still I, I'm down on Smash Four and that community. I mean, there's a lot of overlap in those communities, unfortunately, in this case. But Smash Four is not quite as bad, it seems, at least not in my own personal experience. Yeah. Well, because you know that the worst elements of the melee community are not going to give it a chance. Well, no, that's not true. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that's not true because M2K still shows up for majors and typically places top eight. And I know a couple of other guys do as well. Also, they're all still fucking assholes. P.S. Before we move on, I'm pretty sure Mango beats women. Anyway, moving forward, <sighs> what's the next question? Okay, we got one question I left. I think it's Mango. I hope it's Mango. I think Mango beats women. I think that was the guy. They all fucking beat women. They're terrible shitbirds. Fuck garbage community. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you know what? This is a dark line of conversation. Let's just drop yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, f- I feel like... It's like almost unavoidable when you're talking. We kind of... Yeah, I was going to say... It's actually like it. kind of unavoidable. That's the terrible part. Yeah. Oh my kind, god. We kind of did it uh, for a previous Finding Game episode. We might, like when we talked about Evo, uh, god, we might have to just try and put a moratorium on just talking about Smash. Melee. Yeah. It's specifically Melee, yeah. Because, yeah, like, just, every time that game fucking game comes up, we bitch about it for like 10 minutes straight. 
and it crosses the line from like funny haha to tedious and kind of uncomfortable at about like the six or the seven minute mark i feel yeah yeah i I feel like we should go ahead and just pledge right now that if we ever talk about the melee community again it will be to celebrate its death that yeah until that happens we're not gonna talk about it anymore Okay, that's fair. Or, 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 or unless or there actually is some it. real significant news involving yeah. it. But if it's just them continuing to be shitty, then... Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. All right, next okay. question. All right, so something a little bit more lighthearted, I think, to, to cap us off. From at Mike Dawson, what do you think Bad Dragon is like in the world of Shadowrun? I'm assuming it's still just like Bad Dragon. Okay. I mean, I... I, mean, I don't know are, anything about Shadowrun, so this is kind of on you. Shadowrun is a cyberpunk setting. It's kind of pulpy, but it's also fairly good. There's lots of like weird like cyber tech. It'd probably be just like Bad Dragon, except all the dildos have weird invasive security and surveillance tech in them. I, I mean, I, I think like weird sex toys are kind of ubiquitous across time and settings, really. I, I don't feel... I guess they'd offer like sensies, I think is what they call them, or... Fuck, what do they call them? BTL chips, maybe? Fuck, I can't remember the exact terminology, but there are basically, like, chips that allow you to, like, slot in and live- that allow you to basically, like, transfer your consciousness into a scenario, and you could transfer it into the scenario of fucking, specifically, probably fucking a dragon. Maybe some other shit as well. I don't know. It allows for a lot of creativity, but otherwise, I think it'd basically be the same. They'd offer that, and- yeah, it'd still just be Bad Dragon. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I don't think it's either. I think it's just kind of a thing, really. Alright. Uh, I think that's gonna be it for I us. I think that's a fucking wrap. How long did we bitch about Smash? A, a while. God. This this episode was kind of a bummer, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it'll happen. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you heard that and you still want to be fucking involved with us in any conceivable way. I don't, I don't know, why. know why you would, yeah. That seems uh, like a bad idea. Yeah. At G-Shaped on Twitter, at G-S-H-A-P-E-D on Twitter uh, to get a hold of us, find out what's going on, send us some questions. And uh, again, you can always download the show on AudioEntropy.com. Um, I mean, I don't have it anywhere else at the moment. I don't even have it on iTunes. So, I mean, like, if I don't know where else you would have gotten it, but sure, whatever. Um... And I, th- I think that's going to do it. You got anything you want to plug, dude? Um, Not currently, but I might in the near future, actually. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, so uh, for going pear-shaped, I've been Mike. And I've been Matt. And always remember, diddle yourself constantly. And now I've got to go fucking Google shit about all the dirt on the Smash community so I can fact check and I can, I don't know.